Hi, this is Chelsea Vale. You have found the Whole Heart Podcast, a podcast for conscious parents who want to do things differently. Parenting the Whole Heart Way is about love, connection, play, and raising our children naturally. It can get, at times, a little bit crunchy. Let's jump in. Write this down. The opposite of dysfunctional is dysfunctional. What do I mean by that? (laughs) Think about everything in your life as though it swings on a proverbial pendulum of sorts. You can swing too far on both sides. The opposite of dysfunctional is dysfunctional, meaning that there's no balance in extremes. For example, when I think about dating, because I'm a single mom and I am dating, I'm attracted to somebody who strikes a balance. I don't want the Adonis who has 2% body fat and goes to the gym two to three times a day and prepackages all of his meals and doesn't drink alcohol or eat sweets and talks about everything in terms of its caloric content and carb and protein and blah, blah, blah. That's too extreme. But I also don't want what I had before, which was Frito pie in a large bowl and Cheetos and Dr. Pepper and Reese's Pieces as a snack, um, who doesn't, you know, get off the couch and who, you know, finds joy in laziness, right? The opposite of dysfunctional is dysfunctional. What's attractive is somebody who can stay healthy and fit and in shape, but who can also enjoy life's simple pleasures, which might be um, a cheat meal from time to time and Um, Just as much as I'm attracted to somebody who can go out and have a good time and party without being reckless, um, I'm not attracted to a homebody who doesn't want to really do anything and finds, um, you know, joy in the house every night doing puzzles or reading a book. That's also not something that I'm attracted to. I like balance. And the reason I'm attracted to that is because um, I find that that's somebody that has found balance mentally, emotionally, and socially um, if they're, that's, those are outward displays of balance, right? And a lot of times that same person doesn't swing too far on the side of um, their worldview, right? So they might not be too hard-pressed Republican. They might be able to take a little bit from Democrat or they might, um, maybe there's some religious things that they find um, peace in, but they're not so far on the other side. They can't take another person's perspective. Um, just like socially, they don't necessarily need to be surrounded by a hundred people, but they're not so introverted that they can't enjoy a dinner party with people they don't know. Right. So those things really go across the board and then they don't probably react to things emotionally, um, or, um, impulsively because they've striked a balance, um, in, internally in self. How do we get this on our kids though? How do we model that for them? Remember when I've, I've talked about before that kids are the secret to self-actualization. If we can look at children as the secret to becoming our best selves, then everything we do in front of them and for them needs to be um, done with the mindset of, I am modeling for them who I want them to be. Therefore, I must be the best version of myself. An alcoholic mother will probably raise a child who stays away from alcohol at all costs and likely won't associate with anyone that drinks alcohol, which might make life a little bit difficult. Um, They might have some real big triggers around that, right? Um, Versus 
somebody whose parents never drank and never had alcohol in the home and never talked about alcohol, wouldn't let them watch shows that had alcohol featured in it, that person might actually grow up to be an alcoholic because it was kept so taboo that the moment they're exposed to it, they binge, right? And this sort of dysfunctionality goes across the board with um, food habits and sexuality, um, you know, different races maybe they weren't exposed to that they have certain prejudices about, um, drinking, drugs, partying, different musics and different genres, um, traveling, maybe someone who's never left um, their own city might be, you know, end up living this vagabond lifestyle and traveling the world and never really finding a home because they um, perhaps find um, sort of being at home or having a center of focus being sort of claustrophobic, right? So we all have different triggers and sometimes we can go too far on the other side to avoid what triggered us or what was hard for us growing up. So again, what we want for our children is to model balance in all areas of life. Do our thinking out loud for them so that they can follow our thought processes and that our thought processes become their inner dialogue. And then you ask yourself, but what, what is too much or what is too little? How can I protect them from the world that we're living in without forcing them into those things? For example, with alcohol, how much is too much? How much is too little? Um, we need to find a balance, right? I grew up in a home where nobody drank and um, that was fine. My parents aren't big drinkers now. My dad has never had a sip of alcohol. Um, and you know, in an adulthood, I really struggled with that early on in, in my college years because I was finally allowed to drink and I drank to excess like many um, young kids do when they get into college. In fact, there's a lot of fatalities because um, kids have not been shown a healthy amount of alcohol. They've not been taught the tricks of following up a drink with water or knowing your limits, knowing your little signs, knowing when you've had too much, being sure that you can get home, that type of thing. And so they go too far on the other side and they end up being very attracted to alcohol. So one of the things we can do is to engage our children in open, honest discussions. I think too many parents avoid these conversations because um, they don't really want to talk about it. They don't really know what to say. They haven't really thought it through. And, you know, their kids come to them and they say, have you ever drank and drive? And they go, no, that's terrible. People could die. I would never do a thing like that. But you have. You did. And if they just wanted to Google you, they could see that you got a DWI and 2001 or whatever it was before Uber. Better to say, I did once. Man, I was lucky to get out alive. I should never have done that. I can't even believe that I would have made such a stupid mistake, but I did. I'm a person who makes mistakes and it was terrible. And uh, I drank too much and I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing. I wasn't surrounding myself with good people that would stop me from making such a bad you know, decision. And I paid the consequences and then tell them everything that happened. Um, same thing with drugs, right? There's so many parents that go, no, marijuana is terrible. It's a gateway drug. And then you're going to end up doing, you know, acid and, you know, all these all terrible things, you know, with their 12 or 14 year old who, by the way, all of their friends probably smoke weed. And if you're not honest and open with them, they're going to think that you're lying to them. And then it's a much harder discussion to have. And then they might not come and tell you that they've tried it one day and maybe they are exploring with other things because this became such a taboo topic and your reaction was so strong that now they don't want to tell you anything else that they've seen or been exposed to because um, now this conversation is is hard for them because they can't really trust your reaction is going to be realistic, right? 
Um, and then also thinking that our parents are perfect. That can definitely do a lot of damage to our kids when we're not letting them know, yeah, I've done that before and um, it was awesome. But um, I would really would prefer you not do it until you're a little bit older um, because it does take a level of maturity. You know, that might be a discussion to have. Um, same thing with sex. A lot of parents say, you know, abstinence is the only way to go and they teach their kids not to have sex until their XYZ age or whatever. And, you know, your life experiences are different than theirs and we're in a very different world. And, um, you know, sex before marriage is much more common. Um, sex with multiple partners is more common. We're just in an age where that types, type of thing is changing and relationships are changing. Things are happening much younger for our children and we need to be able to have those conversations with them about what's safe, what's right, what's wrong, why is it wrong, why is it not safe, um, what are the best signs to look out for to, you know, maybe check somebody's sincerity or whether or not you can trust them, what are some ways to protect yourself mentally, emotionally, physically, um, ways to protect yourself socially, you know, what might be the repercussions of, of these decisions rather than talking about everything as though it's this, you know, taboo thing where, you know, if you have sex, you might internally combust and blow up and, you know, all of those, those sort of, um, overreactions, right? Because um, that makes it difficult for our kids to have open, honest discussions with us. And a lot of times when we say no, 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 they want to know why. Because um, children have a natural curiosity towards things. And I know that this episode has been a little bit heavier than some of my previous ones because you're used to me talking about toddlerhood and early childhood. But this type of thinking and modeling and conversations happens very early on when we have these little four and five-year-olds and we're modeling healthy habits at the dinner table with what we eat, when we're modeling for them a healthy amount of working out, when we're modeling, um, when we go out on a date and we know we're going to be drinking, we take an Uber and we might say, I'm going to take an Uber because I feel like having a cocktail and I sure don't want to be one of those people that drinks and drives, right? Those are things that even a four-year-old starts to kind of put into the back of their brain a little bit. If you have friends over while your kids are playing and you're having a glass of wine, um, it's okay to say out loud, whew. I've had two glasses. I feel kind of kind of silly. I'm, I'm going to say no to that that last one. Can I have a glass of water, please? Your kids pick up on those things and these early, early, early stages so that when they're 12, 14, 16, 18, these are not hard conversations to have. You're not picking your kid up from jail going, oh my God, how did this happen, right? We have to think forward with our kids and start modeling a perfect balance because remember, the opposite of dysfunctional is dysfunctional. So how do we do this? How do we master balance for our children? How do we make sure that we raise them to be individuals who don't swing on one side of the pendulum or the other in all areas? How do we help them strike a balance, right? Because the opposite of dysfunctional is dysfunctional. So one of the things that we can do, just to recap, is be the best balanced version of ourselves. Take a look at the way that you live your life and look, are there areas where I'm extreme? Do I watch too much TV? Do I eat too much junk food? Do I eat too much health food? Can I not relax and enjoy a little treat every now and then? Um, do I have babysitters too much? Do I need to spend more time with my children? Um, do we have too much screen time or maybe not enough to where when we walk in somewhere and they see a TV, they're glued to it because they've never seen one before. And when we leave the home, suddenly they're everywhere. Um, where can we find more balance? And so modeling that for our children and being the best balanced version of ourselves in all areas is going to hopefully help them strike a balance as they mature and as they get older. 
Also, we can do our thinking out loud, share our thought process with our children as we are trying to balance ourselves, live a balanced life. Um, Doing that thinking out loud, remember, becomes their inner dialogue. Also, when we set limits for our children, be sure that the limits we are setting need to be set, that we're not saying no just for the sake of being no. Um, or saying no, but just that every now and then we're maybe allowing a little wiggle, wiggle room, right? So I'm not someone that typically buys souvenirs and treats and all kinds of things when we're out and about, but every now and then there's a special little something that I might say, you know what guys, normally I'm not somebody that buys things like that, but that seems to be very special to you. And today's a different kind of day. So I'm happy to go ahead and get that for you. Enjoy, right? Um, just letting them know that as the adult who sets limits for you, I'm, I'm happy to allow you to have a little balance as well. Not being so hard-nosed on the rules and the limits of the household, but having a little bit of wiggle room. Maybe there are certain things that we do in our house that when we're out in public aren't that big of a deal. Or, you know, when we go to friends' houses, it's okay that they you know, do something. Maybe we don't do it at our home, but it's okay for you to enjoy that while you're here. And maybe we discuss that, that that's part of... Um, you know, having tolerance for others and acclimating to, you know, various situations. And it's not that you're being fake or or hypocritical. Um, You know, for me, there are some hard no's. Like there are certain things that I don't let them eat or drink or watch, you know, when we're out. But even though we don't do a lot of screen time in our house, if they're with friends or with, you know, their father or something, I know they're watching screens. And that's, that's the balance is that it's not, I don't allow anything to be something that I really get worked up about. Just like I don't want them to get worked up about something. Um, I want them to be able to um, find balance and comfort when things are a little bit different. Even in the home, and we've talked before about having a rhythm and routine, sometimes things get thrown out of whack and our routine might get you know thrown for a loop, but being able to find a balance in that and being okay with you know whenever things get a little bit wonky or whenever I did have to Um, you know, budge a little bit on a limit, or maybe we were out and about, so they ate something they would have never normally ate, being okay with that and letting your kids know that in life, moderation is key. Balance is important. Inner happiness, inner balance, inner locus of control is really what matters. We can control the things that we can, and we try to control the things that we can, but we let go of those things that we can't control. And that's really the lesson in all of this. Remember, the opposite of dysfunctional is dysfunctional. You have been listening to Whole Heart Crunchy Parenting, a podcast for parents who want to do things differently. If you haven't already subscribed, please subscribe at Anchor, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcast. I'd also appreciate a follow on Instagram at join whole heart. And if you'd like to support the podcast through a small donation, you can find our Patreon page at patreon.com slash whole heart. Thank you for listening. Be well.